thing my whole life. So good with the art, that's why I'm so nice. I've been doing this thing my whole life. So good with the art, that's why I'm so nice. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Jake the Mississippi Superman Reeves. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my good friend, my partner in crime, Wesley, the armadillo catcher Dunham. What's up, baby? That's right. What's up, man? You like your nickname? Yeah. I'll be coming up with some nicknames on here. The armadillo catcher. The armadillo catcher. Uh, funny story about armadillo catching. Have I ever told the story about Joe accidentally catching that armadillo on here before? I don't, we were, I don't know if you, you may have. He was riding. I, I've told, told it on here before. When he stuck the hammer in the back of it. I know I've told oh, yeah, it to yeah, you, yeah, but yeah. I didn't know if I told it on here or not. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I won't tell it again, but I had a buddy, Joe, one time. He took a drywall hammer and stuck it in an armadillo's back, and then the armadillo started running yeah. around and kind of walking him like a leash. He couldn't, oh. get the, he couldn't get the hammer out. He didn't want to lose his hammer, but he didn't want to, <laughs> so he didn't want to let go, but he didn't really want to – he didn't want the armadillo either. He didn't want to, like, pick the armadillo up either. So it was like a – he was in this weird, like – My brother and my cousin, uh, when we first moved here from Texas, I had some cousins live over in Reform. And, uh, Reform Alabama. They killed an armadillo with two BB guns. I bet they shot him like three hundred times. Oh my god! One time I they had was him hold uh, up in a, in a like a, a notch in the bottom of a tree and just kept and we just taking it, turns hitting, like hitting, 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 just torturing <laughs> that poor animal. Yeah, torturing <laughs> that poor animal. One time, uh, me and my brother, we were walking. So I grew up on a dairy farm, and there was forty acres next to my house. We called the lower pasture and the lower pasture. So one thing when you got dairy cattle or cattle in general, you have to make sure that they're they're watered. And so we had a we had a pond, and then that what well, we had irrigation ditches that were probably four or five feet deep. Um, now they're a lot deeper than now they're over my head because they've kind of wall- hollowed oh, yeah. out. But we had these irrigation ditches with these cross points, and the irrigation ditches ran way off into the woods. And then that would that would bring the water when it would rain. It would bring the water down in them ditches. And it was like little creeks. We called them creeks, but they weren't creeks. They were just irrigation dishes yeah. just to get water in t- so that cattle could drink. And uh, in the summertime, they would dry out. And what we would do, it was a really good way for us to go explore the woods because we always knew if we could find our way back to that ditch, we could just walk the ditch back mm-hmm. to the to the pasture and we could find our way home. And we got lost doing that several times because oh, we'd yeah. lose the ditch. We'd get out far enough and the ditch would slowly kind of like get more shallow, more shallow, and we'd lose it. Well... There's one time we were walking, and we were probably, man, I bet we were a half mile from the house, something like that, Walk way out in the woods somewhere. And my dog comes out of nowhere and grabs this snake Dang. and throws it. And a snake was coiled up finna bite us, and it was a water moccasin. And, you know, water moccasins are aggressive. Oh, yeah. Snakes. And my, I had this German shepherd that would fight them, you know, fight with them. Anyway, my, my brother was like, hey, man, look. I was probably, I don't know, nine years old, eight years old. My brother was like, hey, man, look. Run back to the house, go get a gun and get some ammo, and we're going to kill the snake. I was like, bet. <laughs> so I take off running hard and fast as I could, and I'm thinking, like, the snake's going to kill Josh while I'm gone, so I'm sprinting the whole way, yeah. half-mile sprint. I was so dead when I, by the time I got there and back. <laughs> anyway, I grabbed this uh, 22 rifle that my dad shot sometimes uh, that I could get to. And I went to the garage where we kept the ammo and we kept a whole bunch of different types of ammo. And at that age, I didn't know the difference mm-hmm. in the types of ammunition. We had a little Thunderbolt ammo. I mean, I don't know if you remember the little Thunderbolt 22 mm-hmm. ammo, but anyway, I got, this stuff was, it was, a, it was CCI ammo. Yeah. And all it was really designed to do was break paper target. It was target ammunition, mm-hmm. cheap, you know, 
Man, we got that. I took that CCI. I bet we shot that snake 40, 50 times. Dang. Before that snake died. Now, we weren't great shots either, so we were shooting it in the tail. We blew that thing to pieces. By the time we got done, we went and got a tra- uh, little plastic bag, and we put it in the plastic bag, and it was, I mean, it was, be- it was, it was tore up. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I mean, similar. you had to make sure he was done. Right. I mean, I'm not going to go grab and put him in the plastic bag if I don't know mm-hmm. for a fact he's dead, but I swear we shot him in the head and it didn't kill him. I mean, it just, we shot that thing and shot that thing and shot that thing and shot that thing. We, we had to reload that gun probably three or four times. Dang. I mean, now we missed some too. You know, yeah. and the snake wouldn't just come right at us because I think the, our dog was keeping it off of us. Mm-hmm. So we would just sit there, pop, 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 pop. And I, I guess it was hurt. And I don't know, man, we just. And we did that to a, um, a bat one time when I lived in Texas. Me and my brothers, <clears throat> we, were, we were fixing to get a bird, a parakeet. So we'd already had a bird cage. And get a parakeet. And we were walking outside one day, and in the front yard there was a, a tree, and in one of the low-hanging branches there was a bat there. And this is broad daylight. And we're like, oh, there's a bat sitting here. So we went and took the cage and got the bat in him and closed it up. And we took him across the street to our buddy's house and was showing them. Well, um, I can't remember how we found out. I think I think my buddy's mom called the like the local pest control. And they said they carry like they can carry diseases and rabies and stuff like that. So we let right. the bat out and he flew up into the tree. And by then there was like me, my brother, and the two guys, the boys across the street and like two other kids down the road. We all had our BB guns, and we blasted him out of the tree with like probably seven thousand BB rounds. You just gotta get, get you gotta get it done. Yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's as like a, we went to war a, on him. As a young man, there's just and I, you know, you can call us psychopaths or whatever, but it's little boys want to kill kid, things. Yeah, that's so, what young kids do. Like you we just when young. you're a kid, man, you you bout it, bout it. You're trying to kill. You're trying to prove yourself and kill stuff, yeah. man. Just it's natural. We had to know? see who, the, who was going who was going to be the one that knocked him out of the tree. Oh yeah. You gotta be a dead eye, you competing. Know? You know who's the best hunter? Yeah, you know it's natural. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what boys are meant to do, dog. Like we we're hunters, man. Yeah. Like we we want to we want to kill stuff, and instead we're crammed in the little classrooms learning yeah. about geometry and 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 spelling. You know what I mean? Like, but we want to be out there killing bats. I mean, I still love BB guns. Heck yeah, dude! I love them to this day. Yep, they're fun. My favorite <laughs> things to do: laser tag, BB guns, real guns. Paintball guns. Laser tag is pretty fun. Bro, it's it's amazing. <laughs> I, I have the best time of my life playing laser tag. I, it's just something in us, man. We want to we wanna kill each other. I've never done <laughs> paintball. Though. I've shot paintball guns, but I've never done like a paintball, like a battle. Really? Yeah. Like you and your friends? I've only done it a few times. Uh, my brother used to have guns, and we'd shoot them all the time, but I've never never done like a war. We used to go out to a buddy of mine's house. We went to his house a few times and do them. And, you know, it was never like... I never did like the big ones, but it'd be like four or five, three, four or five of us. Yeah. We split up into teams, and some of those you know. guns are pretty cool. Those Heck yeah, guns. dude, they're amazing. Those, have you ever seen the videos of those pros where they're like, Don't, yeah, yeah, they're like double tapping. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I love paintball, and I love airsoft. Yeah, airsoft. I love cool. B guns, all that stuff, man. Yeah, me and my brother, we yeah, there's some crazy battery powered ones. There. Yeah, yeah, I never had one of those. I had one of those like single single oh, yeah. action pump ones, and those it was it looked hurt. like a it looked like a Beretta, but I you pump it and it shoot one time, you pump yeah. it again and shoot one time, and uh, had a little had a magazine you throw in it, and me and my brother we'd put like coat uh, like a coat on or a, a sweater or jacket so it wasn't just hitting our skin, and we'd go out there and just light each other up, man. Oh yeah, because those things are dude, they hurt. That they sting for yeah. sure, you know. But if you put a little, if you put like a sleeve on, like something a little thicker yeah, than this, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Those weren't anyway. There's some that probably are. Oh yeah, but those weren't bad. I, you know, I do that to this day. 
I'm oh, of course. 32 years old, and you know, people talking about, you know, as kids, we like doing that stuff. Bro, I like doing that stuff right now. That's like the Nerf battles we have here at the gym. Oh, I love, I love those, dude. dude. We have parents' <laughs> night out, and we have all the kids come. Bro, I'm having a ball. Especially if you're in the Nerf battle and you get that Nerf axe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dealing with people. <laughs> I mean, you are if you can get close enough to them. I remember that one time that I tried to charge like 15 kids with Nerf guns with the axe, but I had to come go like across the mat. Yeah. And I got shot like 550 yeah. times before I even got halfway across the mat. Those Nerf battles are real fun. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> some I, of these kids in the gym, they have some pretty cool guns, those Nerf guns. Shoot, I've got some, I had some pretty cool guns. Yeah. Like when I do those, I love those, uh, the little round balls they have yeah. now. Those are so much better. They're, they 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 hit harder. They fly further. They're faster. They're more accurate. Uh, you I mean you're just racking them. I had I had that one fully automatic gun that never really worked right. Yeah, that was from right out of the package. Yeah, yeah, it never That's worked. Bummer, yeah. But a lot of the other ones did. Yeah. So, and I remember I was like, man, I'm gonna kill everybody when I bought that thing. <laughs> I was like, y'all just wait. I got the best gun. It was like a hundred dollars. Yeah, I spent a hundred dollars on a nerf gun for a nerf battle, work, yeah. and I was like, bro, I'm about to kill everybody. This is about to be my war. And one thing I will say, though, we were cleaning up Nerf balls and darts for months. I felt like I ran a marathon after those. Oh, yeah. My knees are always so swollen and beat up from all the running yeah, around in it's here. It's like four hours of just continuous battle. Yeah. And then you stop to like 10 minutes to eat pizza, and then you go back to battle. Yeah. It's like a half time. I'm usually ready for it to be over by the time it's over. Oh, I'm like, oh, my God, dude. dude. Like, <laughs> will y'all please come get your stupid kids? <laughs> Not stupid kids, but you know what I mean. It, it's a long time. Yeah, it's you're like, bro, y'all got to get out of here. Like, I'm ready to go. And the, remember the first one we did? We did the the balloon water gun and balloon fight. Oh, yeah. And then we had the UFC uh, video game tournament, tournament oh, yeah. at my house. And we kept the kids all night. Yeah, that was a fun night, but it was tough. Man, it was Way too much. The I and then we had a we did a class the next day. So what we did for those of y'all listening, we had parents drop their kids off at my house at like five six p.m. on a sat on like a Friday night, and they stayed Friday night at my house. And then the next day we got up and we rode to the gym and we did jujitsu and wrestling for about an hour, and it was too much. Yeah, that was tough. It was too much. It was like I was so ready for those kids to be gone. And then, like, what we had for breakfast, we had, like, everybody got had one Ego, <laughs> like, one off-brand Ego, and these kids were like, we're still hungry. And I'm like, well, bro, I didn't – I don't have – and the only reason we had those is Carmine brought them. Yeah. I did not plan breakfast at all. Yeah, I didn't, didn't even think, think about, about breakfast. I thought for sure, like, after the, the water balloons and then them running around in the yard for hours and then after, like, the s'mores on the campfire and a little UFC on the, on the TV, I thought they were going to be done by, like – those kids have batteries that last they were, for They were days. feeding off each other's energy, man. They I were was so, so tired. <laughs> yeah, they were so excited. And I had to, like, make everybody. And the boys went down easy because we kept the boys and my wife kept the girls back in the mm. bedroom. And my house didn't have air conditioning. It was so hot back I there. I remember that. And um, the boys stayed in the front room. Girls stayed in the back room. Well, when the boy, it was time for bed, I was like, all right, boys, everybody lay down. If, you, if I hear y'all make a sound, everybody's <laughs> got to get up and do push-ups. Everybody. So the boys laid down, didn't make a sound, and they were out quick. The girls, on the other hand, they were back there playing, and Balin was like, we're just hanging out, and yeah. they were up all night. Yeah. So the next day for the class, the boys were still kind of like, okay, but the girls were dead because they didn't get any sleep. They were up all <laughs> night. Plus, it was 100 degrees in my bedroom. <laughs> but I forgot about that with the Eggos. They all got a waffle. <laughs> yeah, they all got one little Eggo waffle out of, the, out of the oven. Man, that was fun. Man, you know what I want to talk about today? Something I've been thinking about? I've been thinking about politics a lot. Um, 
and just the mentality. And this is a super non, like this is just a hardcore direction shift of the conversation. I'm just taking it there. Yeah, I'll go um, on that. Just the mentality of conservatives versus liberals, and and big government versus small government, and kind of the kind of the ideas behind it. Because I was thinking about this before the podcast started today, and like, what do you think the main difference is when you start talking about like America versus Europe or China, and then like the way that like, what do you think the main difference is? What do you think set like sets that apart? The the mindset of a liberal versus a conservative. What do you think the the difference is? Like, what do you think? Because one of the things that you have to accept is we just don't see the world the same way. Right, yeah. You know, somebody like me who's a libertarian versus someone who is a Bernie Sanders supporter, mm-hmm. okay? We don't we watch the same things and we don't see the same things. What do you think the difference is? <sighs> it's a worldview difference, right? I mean, yeah. what is the worldview difference, though? Um, man, I... You know, I really don't. You know, politics is a tough, tough uh, spot for me because I really try to. I don't. I guess because I don't like stepping on people's toes, so I, I'm not a big politics talker. I mean, you ain't got to step on anybody's toes. You just. I mean, just what do you think the? I mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes right. either, but there clearly is a difference. Of course, yeah. You know what I mean? Clearly, there's something different between the way a Trump supporter, a Rand Paul supporter, and a Bernie Sanders supporter, or a Joe Biden supporter sees the world like we see mm-hmm. the world differently like what is that difference and i mean i've got i've got my view on i've got my opinion on it but i'm just curious to what you think I, re- I really don't know um i think a lot of it is just um y'all everybody has you know your own personal beliefs but then you it's like you're the the herd mentality once you get with others it just kind of feeds off on you and then you just kind of bleed to one side um yeah so social constructs definitely right, affect yeah. political beliefs for sure um I really don't know though. Um, like I said, I don't I don't talk politics a whole lot. Uh, so I'm, it's I mean, gonna be a tough episode, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh lord, here we go. So um, let me tell you what I think. I think that the main difference is the world view of communalism versus like individual liberty, right. and both are important. Like that's the reason why. When a conservative talks to a liberal or a small government and a big government person are talking or whatever the case may be, because not everybody that's conservative believes in small government. Like there are a lot of like Republicans that want big government just in certain things. They want big government when it comes to the military. Mm -hmm. They want a lot of government spending in the military. They want big government when it comes to like prohibition historically speaking, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they want the government to regulate alcohol sales or drug, drug use or whatever. So they believe in, a lot of conservatives do believe in communalism for the greater good. Um, Every person believes in it to a certain extent because that's what every law is. Every law is restriction of individual liberty Mm -hmm. in favor of communalism. That's the worldview. Yeah. Because as humans, that's that's what drove our society forward. When you look at like the beginnings of our society, when we started inventing morality and laws, or I'm not gonna say we invented morality, but when you start looking at the the purpose of morality, um, the purpose of laws, the purpose of it was we're gonna create some constructs that allow us as a whole to move forward. Mm-hmm. And what we found is when we 
dive into those constructs a little bit too much. It stops us from continuing to move forward, in my opinion. Um, but to me, that's the difference. And everybody falls on the spectrum somewhere. So if you believe that murder should be illegal, that's an example of communalism over individual liberty. Mm-hmm. You're restricting my liberty to hurt other people for the good of the whole. That's what that is. Laws against stealing. You're restricting my right to take what I want from whoever I want because I'm the stronger person or the sneakier person or whatever in favor of allowing people to have what they want, what's good for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that's where it stops. For me, like the push of communalism, I only see its value for when someone's hurting someone else or doing something that hurts someone else. Um, But that really is what the difference is. Like essentially when you're talking about gun laws, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a more hot button topic. Right. Okay. Is it better to get rid of guns for the good of the whole, or is it better to maintain our ability to fight for our individual liberty? Right. And that's what that that's what that argument essentially comes down to. Is it is it better? So let's say gun laws would work. See, a lot of people from the conservative standpoint, their argument want is that communal like people having guns is the what's best for the communalism. Like the world is safer when people have guns. Mm-hmm. Because for one thing, one thing that history has taught us is that Communalism is a good thing. Communalism helps push society forward. It helps us evolve. But it's also tyranny's favorite tool. The more communal a group of people, the more easily it is to be taken advantage of by a tyrannical government or a tyrannical leader, an Adolf Hitler, a Mussolini. When you live somewhere that's very like, I must sacrifice for the good of everyone else. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of like pitches in, but when we're not fighting for individual liberties for ourselves or other people, governments tend to start inching their way in, inching their way in and taking, taking, taking rights and privileges and, and, and sort of using us for their gain. And that's really what, that's really what the second amendment argument comes down to. Um, my point of view on it is this. I can see that because they, they try to build off one to, 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 to get the absolute. Right, because every, there is no perfect system of government. There's no perfect way. There's no perfect anything. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah, yeah. Like individual liberty when run too far is a problem. Communalism when taken too far is a problem. Mm-hmm. The difference between the right and the left or the libertarian versus uh, statesist ideology is how far is too far. Even libertarians believe that communalism and government control has its place. They just believe it's over here, where states believe it's over yeah. here. You know, very few libertarians are true anarchists that believe that there should be absolutely no government interference in any way whatsoever. You know, there's very, yeah. very few that would say that. I, I would say they're not. They're almost not. They're not really libertarian at that point. They're anarchists at that point. Um, I don't think I've ever met an anarchist or somebody a true anarchist yeah Yeah, most of the time they're very um punk rock you know what i mean like you're like they're they're not real anarchists so that's somebody who would 
Like no laws, no laws, no want, government, nothing. Kind of like Mad Max. You just want everything to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be like a true anarchist. Yeah, I've never, I've never met anybody. With An that extreme before. socialist would be the other end of that, like a sh- extreme communist or socialist ideology where everybody shares everything. Mm-hmm. The government owns everything. The government is run purely for the social good of everyone in the community. Everyone is equal. Um, that would be the extreme version. Mm-hmm. Of the other end of the spectrum, which I believe also is um, unhealthy. But what we're seeing now in 2022, or have been now for the past 10 years or so, is that really isn't becoming as fringe as it used to be. Like that extreme form of socialism that prioritizes community over everything. Um, Equality of outcomes versus everything. you know, And it really comes down to a masculine versus feminine mindset. Um, which I'm not going to get into on this episode because I want to keep more, a little more political yeah. on this one as opposed to masculine versus feminine. But that's what it is. It's a it's a keep what you kill versus what's good for the whole mindset yeah. and hierarchical versus communal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's just an interesting. That's the reason why. And I said this to, to I, I came around to this point because. Something I've got to where I do now is before I'll discuss politics with somebody, mm-hmm. I want to know where you are on that spectrum. Because I'm all I'm way over here. If you're way over here, we don't see the world the same. Right. There's yeah. no point in us the arguing. There's no point. I mean, I'm not saying there's no no value to discussion, but we're not gonna come together. Yeah. Because we're not we don't see the world the same way. Yeah, that's, if that's, see if gun laws did everything that the left wanted them to do, I still still wouldn't support them because I value individual liberty. Right. And that's what I was going to say too. That, that, that's why I was interested in that. I don't know if you remember, it was, it was probably a year or so ago. We was in your office and you, you drew that, that, uh, yeah. the four squares on there. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you were kind of, uh, explaining left, right, center and, and, uh, statism versus yeah. libertarianism. Yeah. And see, I, I'm kind of like, I, I don't agree with, I'm, I kind of fall in the middle. I feel like, yeah. Um, what do you mean? Like, I don't agree with the total, uh, socialist, uh, everybody's equal type thing, but I, I'm also very few Americans. Would. Right. And I'm not on the far towards the anarchist neither, but I, very, very I, few people would be right. And we were discussing that that day. And, um, I think I was more almost towards the center of that, that square, the, those four squares almost like I, I agree with a lot of different stuff, but I don't lean, I'm not a far lean left, right or North South. Well, the first thing that you have to ask yourself is like, it's not necessarily what you think is right and wrong. The first thing you have to ask yourself is what do I believe the government has the right to do? Yeah. Um, so people on the far right center would say, okay, I believe that the government has the right to restrict morality and enforce morality. People on the far left would say, I believe that the government has the right to enforce, not enforce morality or like personal choices, but they can enforce laws on our money, high taxes, and then social equality in terms mm-hmm. of finances. When you talk about statism, statism would be like dictatorships where the government is in full control of the morality of the people and of the finances of the people. And then extreme libertarianism all the way into anarchy. But the anarchy, anarchy is not really a form of government. It's the lack of government. So a libertarian uh, ideology would be that the government does not have the right to your money or your morals. So that would put you south center, 
Okay, and the further south center you are, if you make a diamond, states this libertarianism left right. The further south you are, you're you're not really going to fit in with people on the right wing because I don't like for me. I don't fit in 100% with people on the right wing because I don't believe the government should be enforcing morality. I mm-hmm. think that should be an individual choice. Okay. I also don't believe the government has the right to my money. I believe I earned that money and it belongs to me. I yeah. earned that. You didn't. It's mine. Okay. Uh, I'm not as far libertarian as some people believe that there should be no taxes. I think that, you know, I think there is something to be said for taxes, creating certain opportunities and, 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 and things. But I mean, you can't really have a standing military without taxes. Mm -hmm. I think that a standing military is essential. Maybe not as big of the one we, as we have now, but I think it is essential, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm not as far libertarian as some people are, but that is that really gets you the, the in the mindset of like what politically like in terms of government what you what you think like where where do you land on that do you think the government should enforce morality and a lot of people that would say yes to that probably don't actually believe it because here's the here's the problem when the government begins to enforce morality and we're seeing this as Christians now i was against a lot of things that other Christians were for Things like, I'm going to be honest, man, and this I'm, I may catch some backlash. I was not for them putting the Ten Commandments up at the courthouse. I don't think I like that. And here's the reason so. Why? While I do think that things like the Ten Commandments are the foundation of the laws that we pass, when we can do that simply because we're the most popular religion, mm-hmm. what happens when we stop being the most popular religion? What happens when Islam becomes the most popular religion or atheism, which I do believe is a religion, becomes the most popular religion? What happens when people no longer as a whole agree with me? If I was okay forcing my views on people that didn't agree with me, how okay can I yeah. not be okay with the, when, the pop, when the general population, their viewpoints change, and now they want to enforce their beliefs on me? Yeah, I get that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so. So I do believe that like we are a Christian nation, but I just I don't believe in the enforcement of morality. Things like drug use. I don't think the government should have any say so in what someone else does to their own body because of morality reasons. I think that we should be judged for our actions equally, no matter if we're on or off of a substance. I'm an adult. I knew what methamphetamine did when I put it in my body. If I do meth and then go kill somebody, I'm still responsible for that murder. Mm-hmm. And the meth didn't make me do it. Yeah. See, we've talked about that before too, and and I do I agree. I, I feel that same way. Okay, so that would mean that you're not 100 percent right wing. Right. Yeah. And then left wing, if you believe that the the extreme version of that would be socialism with our money, where the government has the right to take any amount of your money that they deem necessary to be good for the whole. So if you're extremely rich, you could give up 90 percent of your income. Yeah. If you're extremely poor, you can still give up 90 percent of your income or 100 percent of your income, and then it's just distributed evenly for everybody. So everybody gets the same outcome. Um, that would be an extreme version of socialism on the left. Uh, most people aren't that extreme. Most people are some, some level of in between. Very few people are non-socialistic at all though. I mean, America has a lot of socialistic programs, a lot, a lot. We are a very socialistic nation. I mean, we have food stamps, we have Mm -hmm. WIC, we have subsidized healthcare. Now we have, um, section eight, you know, we have 
welfare. We have, and these are all socialist programs of, of distribution of wealth to take money from the top earners, redistribute it to people from the top 20% redistributed to the bottom 20% to help even things mm-hmm. out. I mean, that is a social, those are socialist programs. Um, that I don't necessarily yeah. agree with, but I also do see the value. And I see how if we don't do something, but 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 to me, I don't know that I think the government should be the people doing it because then it's done at the point of a gun. Can you really say that we're being moralistic if so, s- charity is done at the point of a gun? You see what I'm saying? Is that Does that really make you a good person? Does it make you a good person if I vote to have someone else's money taken away? So that someone who doesn't have money can have some. Right. It's only a good person if you go make the money and then give it to the people that don't have it. That makes you a good person. Because yeah. now you're sacrificing you, what you did to give to someone who didn't do that. Yep. Who didn't sacrifice. I mean, here's the thing. If you're a billionaire, I don't care what anybody says. Especially if you didn't inherit it from your parents. If you're a billionaire, you sacrificed a lot to become a billionaire. If you're a millionaire, you sacrificed a lot, a lot of free time, a lot of hours, a lot of sleepless nights, probably some marriages. Most billionaires have failed marriages because of the amount of time that they put into their work. Um, A lot of millionaires and billionaires have failed relationships, strained relationships with their children, strained relationships with, you know, I'm not saying all of them. I'm not saying that you have to have those things to become a millionaire or billionaire, but most do. I think to be a billionaire, you almost have to. You have to, yeah, because their, their work ethic is just, it's yeah, over, it's, it's over, it's overwhelming, right? Everything, like, every characteristic, like you're almost not even a normal person at that point. So, um, how am I a good person for taking their money and redistributing it to someone else? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it just, it's, it's a different mindset when you start talking right versus left and what the government has the right to do. And I don't think the government has the right to my money. So. In that argument of communalism versus individual liberty, this is the point that I make consistently to people. A lot, the right gets the right wing or the small government wing, which a lot of people say is the right wing. Don't know if I agree with that 100%. But typically in the United States of America, the right wing does tend to be a little bit more small government than the left wing does. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're talking about to those people you're here you, you will hear people on the right if you don't like it in this country leave and then people right, are like you what lot, yeah. you, you hear that a lot yeah, if you don't like it here then leave i have an i have a theory as to why you um why you hear that from the right as more than you hear it on the left and the reason is because the left can this is what i mean america is the final frontier of individual liberty. We are the catalyst of it. We are the extreme Western worldview of individual liberty above communalism, and it worked, mm-hmm. okay? Um, which is something that in previous points in history that people didn't, it was, it was sort of unheard of as, as we've moved away from individual liberty to make society work, and then America came and did it, and it worked even better because there's a balance of the two that creates, yeah. you know, um, creates opportunity. America is the quint. A true patriot in America is someone who values individual liberty above comfort and above moving society forward. I will sacrifice society moving forward to maintain individual liberty. I am okay 
with me having less, me having less, in order to maintain my rights and freedoms. Freedom supersedes comfort. Freedom supersedes even opportunity. Even though I do believe that freedom creates opportunity, in my opinion, it supersedes it. I would rather be more poor and have freedom yeah, because once you, I, I'm I'm under the impression in my myself that if you lose it, you don't get it back. Yeah, and would I'm not, just, right. not not without blood. Right. The only way to get it blood once so you I lose agree. freedom, the only way to get it back is through bloodshed. Yeah, I'm on the same. You page. have to kill to get it back. You, you're very very easy. It's very easy to lose freedom and very difficult to get it back. Yeah. And it usually takes a long time because mm-hmm. at what point do we say we've now lost enough freedom that I'm willing to shed blood to get it back? How much freedom is that? How much freedom? Where's that on the line? Like mm-hmm. we're we're comfortable. Yeah. We have air conditioning. Like here's the thing: we live in the poorest state in the country. Okay, yeah. Mississippi is the most poor state in the country. Everybody I know pretty much has air conditioning in their house. Mm-hmm. Most people have a car to drive. Maybe not the best car, but most people have a car to drive. They have air conditioning. They have television of some sort. A, a lot of people that I know that are very poor have internet. Um, yeah. connections they have cell phones um what people say about the middle class disappearing in my opinion is more of a a um, redefinition of the middle class i think we're redefining the middle class like a lot of people talk about the fact that they can't buy a home mm-hmm. if you gave up all the amenities that you currently have you probably could find a home that you could afford yeah. turn off your cell phone turn off the internet turn off your power turn off your running water um which I know middle class, they had some of those things, power and running water in like the 40s and 50s or whatever, but not a lot of places in Mississippi didn't. You know, oh, yeah, uh, we yeah. were used to using outhouses. We didn't have indoor plumbing. I mean, my great-grandmother up until not only a few years before I was born still had an outhouse. Yeah, there's still some places here in Mississippi that are still pretty backwood. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people that talk about the fact there's not a middle, cl- middle class, dude, you own, a, like what used to be the definition of a middle class was, yeah, you owned a house. Yeah, you may own one vehicle. Nobody had cell phones. Nobody had televisions. Now you, we have traded equity building investments like our home and our land for comforts. Yeah. Things like television, cell phones, um, tablets. Well, not just for immediate comforts. Yeah, immediate yeah, comforts, yeah. Right, right, right. But but the the problem with those things are they don't build wealth. Right. Like, you're not going to get any. Those are, those are just going to be trash in a few years, mm-hmm. usually within two years. I mean, a phone is trash. Like, this phone right here, not even two years old. Uh, Something going on that I can't talk about on air. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with it right now. Um. When you're talking about like media comforts or yeah, well, they lose value at a at a fast rate. They move they yeah they lose their value so quickly, and a lot of people talk about well we can't afford this and we can't afford that. Yeah, but you have a lot of things that mm-hmm. previous generations didn't. You have a lot of comforts that other people didn't. I mean, air conditioning in your house, it's a pretty recent thing. Yeah. I didn't have air conditioning. I, we had one room that had a window unit in it when I was a kid. We didn't have air conditioning. We definitely didn't have central heat in there. You know, and we had one little gas burner stove in the living room with little three brick mm-hmm. gas burner stoves. The rest of the house was just cold. We'd yep. close the door and we'd have that one room that was either hot or cold. Yep. And then when it was time to go to bed, we'd turn on fans and we would, you know what I mean? And fans again, that's that's a that's a luxury of, of 
power and, and having power supplies. And so while, yes, we have the middle class is disappearing, but is it or is it just redefining what's important? How much money? I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, I spend I spend hundreds a month because of I don't know business. I have several lines, but I spend hundreds a month on cell phones. You know, yeah. I know I see people that come in here all the time to the gym and say things like, well, I can't afford it while they're holding the iPhone 14. Yeah, I've sat there and heard that. You know, uh, dude, you have a you have a $1,500 phone in your hand. And walked in wearing Jordans. Yeah, yeah. You, you're wearing two $300 tennis shoes. You're, you're, you, you have money somewhere. Yeah. You're just breaking it up into monthly payments for comforts that, okay, maybe you need. I'm not saying they don't need them. I'm just saying that we're redefining what things are. So people talk about, you know, there's so many people in this country that are very, very poor. I'm not arguing that. I mean, I was one of them for mm-hmm. a long time. I mean, you got to understand, I mean, through my early 20s, I never broke 20000 a year right. in earning. Never. I never broke 20000 I think my my first year owning the gym, my gross, not my take-home, the gym's gross was $11,000. I lived on and ran my business on eleven thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. I, I then from there I, I got my take home up to about ten thousand a year. What I made, mm-hmm. so I was living on ten thousand a year. Then I finally got up to fifteen, and then finally to twenty. And you know what I mean. But for the majority of my life, I have been ex- like excruciatingly poor. Yeah, I mean it's it wasn't until just a few years ago that I started to kind of turn yeah, it around. I, I remember all them, them days. You know and. That's why some kids only had an ego or a Lego to, I mean, a, a waffle to eat. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's yeah, true. Exactly. It's true talk. Yeah. Right. I did, if you remember right. the story, my house was not air conditioned. Right. Yeah. I had kids over to my house. My house wasn't air conditioned. I owned it. I owned my home, but it wasn't air conditioned. My payment was like $350 a month. But I, after I made that payment, um, I didn't have money to get the air conditioning fixed. I had to keep my power bill under like $200 a month. I mean, I had to be really, really careful with my money, and no, I didn't get to go eat out. I didn't get to, you know, do a lot of these things. And I think a lot of people have redefined. And honestly, I think I don't. The question is, okay, is it part of the system, or is it just coincidental? I think both could be the case because if you think about it, as this trend continues, it's going to keep the poor people poor. The poor people are going to get more poor because they're going to spend their money on rims, on cars, on shoes, mm-hmm. on tablets, phones, internet, Netflix, uh, going out and eating and, and things that are never going to pay them back. Yeah. Um, it's conditioning them for it. And then- right. My kids live a totally different life than my parents did as kids. Oh, yeah. They live a totally different life as I did as a kid. My parents... I, I guarantee you my dad could probably, in the time that he was a child, count the number of times they went out to eat on both hands in 18 years. Wow. He probably, I don't, they, I mean, my, my grandmother owned a restaurant, if you count when eating at her restaurant, that, that I'm not counting that, but my grandfather, did, they didn't go out to eat. My, my mom's dad, they didn't go out to eat. They ate at home. Yep. They ate, and they grew their vegetables in the garden. They maintained their garden. And they cooked the vegetables, and that was what they ate. Yeah. You know, and they might, you know, go. They didn't eat meat all the time. They didn't have meat every night for dinner. It wasn't chicken in the pot every night. I mean, that was a that was a, for a lot of people. When you think about like Sunday dinner, fried chicken, that was the Sunday treat. You yeah. got to eat meat. My kids go out to eat multiple times per week. Oh, yeah, me, 
as a child, I went out to eat. If we got to go out to eat one time per week, that was a that was a special treat. If like Sunday after church we went out to eat, we never went out to eat on Friday, Saturday nights, ever. Ever. Unless it was somebody's birthday. Birthdays we go to the Mexican restaurant because we got free fried ice cream and Mexican's cheap. <laughs> okay. Uh I'm the same way. I don't I don't but if my we kids, went out to eat, it was like my grandmother took us for a lunch at, at Subway or something. Yeah, sometimes. something. Yeah, but it was like a yeah. special yeah. treat. And when my mom would take us to the get to a, to a to a when my mom would take me to like McDonald's, I got a one dollar hamburger and a cup of water. Yeah, that's what I ate. even up into my teen years. My my mom was my dad would let me get a Whopper or something. My mom it was a one dollar little bitty hamburger and a cup of water. That's what I ate. My kids, on the other hand, you know they think they need to go out to eat every day. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they they go out to that's what I'm saying. Like we've redefined Yeah. We've redefined what the middle class is. We've and so if you start holding us to like holding the standard to owning property, then yeah. The the the, the standard is changing. Property is getting more expensive mm-hmm. uh for multiple reasons, but also because our standard of living is much higher now. I mean, how many people do you know that don't have air conditioning in their home of some kind? How many people do you know that don't have uh, a cell phone? Right, that's what I was going to say, like a cell phone. Everybody. Everybody. Me, my wife, and my daughter, all three have iPhones. All yeah. three of us. Matter of fact, most most homeless people even have cell a phones. A lot of them do. Yeah. A lot of homeless people have cell phones. How crazy is that? Yep. Now, they probably don't I mean, always have minutes. That's true. But, yeah. yeah. He does, Mo, you need to put a microphone on if you're going to talk. Uh, <laughs> we need to hook you a mic up, dog. Um, yeah, Mo doesn't have a cell phone, but part of the reason, Mo, no offense, that you're able to do that is because you use the gym phone for a lot of your personal cell phone needs. Well, you, well, that's actually one of the things we're going to have to talk about, though, is because you've got to get a cell phone because you can't not like you. And, and that's one of the differences is <laughs> yeah. like in modern society, you kind of have to have a cell phone yeah, because yeah. people have got to be able to get in touch with you, you know, and if I need to get in touch with you, how do I get in touch with you, Mo? No, I get in touch with you through the gym cell phone. I tell I, you're in group chats on the gym cell phone right now. That's how I get in touch with you. So you kind of do have access to a cell phone. Um, anyway, we we just kind of we have we have a different standard of living, and and this is what I kind of intended on talking about. But it's it's just interesting, and I don't know that I'm right on all this. It's just what I'm observing. This yeah. is what I'm looking at. Like you know, this is kind of crazy because, I mean, I know people that are paying. $300 a month for cell phone bills because them and everybody in their family has a cell phone. That's $300 a month, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's nearly a house payment, Yeah, you know? And then you have a lot of like, my, like I have two car payments. Yep. You know what I mean? Like two car payments. I'm in debt for two cars. I have two cars worth more than $20,000, you know? Now that's not a lot to some people, but no. for the standard of living of the 1960s, yeah, that would have been insane. Of course. And financing has a lot to do with that. Because one thing, one thing people have figured out, one thing, if you want to see the price of something skyrocket, watch them start offering financing. Have you seen the price to like get a roof put on? What it's done in the past 10 years? I'm actually looking at doing mine now. I had a guy come look at it the other day. 10 years ago, you get a roof put on for two, $3,000. Mm-hmm. Now you can't get a roof put on for nearly less than $10,000. Oh, and try putting a metal roof on. Oh, yeah. My house has got a metal roof on it. Oh. They put it on luckily right before I bought the house. But, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. It's insanely expensive. You know why? Roofers figured out you could start offering financing for roofs. 
and they started financing them, that drove the price up because now people can afford more expensive roofs. Yeah. Dang. You look at houses. You used to be able to buy a house for twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Now now houses were the first thing that banks started financing was houses and land. You know, it made sense. Those were your big purchases. Um but like cars. Back yeah. in the day, cars were three, four thousand dollars. But a lot of people were just paying cash for those cars. Yeah, but even if they weren't, it was it was cheaper like that. And that, that brings me I saw a movie the other day that reminded me of that. Um But what drove the price up though? Couple things, but not modern amenities. Things like air conditioning and powered seats, whatever. Oh but yeah, a big power thing. Everything. In yeah, there, yeah, a big thing is financing. The fact that because what what do poor people go when they go to, when they go into a car lot? They don't ask how much the car costs. Yeah. What's month. the monthly payment? Yep. I'll pay it for eight years, yeah. but what's the monthly payment? I got to get this monthly payment down to fit my budget. So now I don't have to be disciplined. I don't have to save money. Saving money is not as important as it used to be because back in the day, if you wanted a car, you had to save money up to go buy the car. Mm-hmm. Now you can go buy a car with no money down. Payment not for another two, three months. Yeah. I've done it. I, yeah. Usually when I buy them, I buy them no money down. Nobody saves no more, really. You don't hear people saving. Right, You because you don't have to. And yeah. it's, it's dumber now, too. Back, like when my grandparents, uh, I remember my mom told me a story about them, them taking out a loan to start a business. And my grandparents told her she was crazy. Like, don't get into debt. Debt is stupid. Debt mm-hmm. is dumb. Because that was the mentality of the older generations. Don't get into debt. Yeah. Save your money. That being said, they were also getting like a 4% return on money in the bank. Mm. Okay? Whereas now you're getting less than one. Yeah, like so money 0.5. sitting in the bank made money back then. Yep. Money sitting in the bank now loses money. So that's one reason. But another big reason is uh, our, we as, as, as Americans, man, we love debt. We love it. We get into debt for everything. We get into debt for our cars, our comfort, cell phones. Like about, yeah. Think about cell phones. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you see poor people walking around $1,500 phones? Because yep. they don't have to have $1,500 right, yep. right then to get the phone. They can go pay monthly $30, $40 a month for three years to pay the phone, or two years, or whatever, to pay the phone off. And then by then, it's a trash phone. By then, so it's a trash get, phone. So they right just keep the you cycle, in that yeah. cycle. Keep you in the cycle. Mine's paid off right now. But I do it too because I don't want to come out with my $1,500 right now. Yeah. Even if I've got it, yeah. I want to be able to use that money. But we just, you can always tell things that are getting financed always get more expensive. The more, the more you're financing, the more expensive it is. Um, cars went up when they started being financed. Um, when, when banks started mortgaging homes for 30 years, mm-hmm. you saw the price of homes go up. You know, a lot of times with investment properties, it's 15-year notes. But... When the bank started being like, okay, let's do 30-year notes. Yeah. Now people can afford more expensive properties because now the note's lower. Now, if, you're, if it is an investment property, I still don't think it's a bad deal because it's paying itself. It's paying off its own note. I, but, I mean, I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not telling anybody they should listen to me. It's yeah. just, it's just uh, I don't know, man. We're in a really strange time in humanity. Like, we've never, in all the time humanity's been on this rock, uh, we've never seen the world develop into this weird, almost slave mentality that we have now. Like we're like, it's just another way for us to be enslaved to our masters. And it keeps us this, this rat race chase for money or not for money. Cause we're not chasing money. That's the thing people have to understand. We're not chasing money. We're chasing comfort. comfort yeah. And they have figured out how to break us down into these little monthly installments so that we never really build equity we never really build wealth. We never really get to the next level 
but we're comfortable. Keep you com- comfortable. So we're that happy. Way, but it builds the wealth for the, the, right. the, the people yeah. who are selling those cell phones. Yep. The people who are selling that property are, like, not property, but the people who are selling that too, but the people who are selling those roofs mm-hmm. and whatever, you know. And so, I don't know, my life mission, figure out how to get to be the people that are selling it, yeah. not the people who are buying it. Be the person that's selling the comfort. Leverage yourself to meet the needs of the masses because as you can develop as the person that's meeting the need for the masses, people in the top 1%, they're going to keep getting richer. If you think about it, man, think about like planned socialism we have in this country. When COVID hit and the government gave us all that money, Mm -hmm. who got rich? Did any regular people get rich from that? Mm -hmm. Who got super rich? The pharmaceuticals and... and, uh Jeff Bezos, yeah, Amazon, because people got oh, yeah. that money. What'd they do? They spent it. Yeah, They went to Amazon.com and they ordered stuff off Amazon. Well, not only that, you're locked up in your house. What what what, what else can you do? But you can still access Facebook. Right. Access Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Elon kept- Musk. You know, not Elon Musk. Jeff Bezos, rather. Like yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos. That's who got rich. Mm-hmm. Not us. So a lot of people on the left want to like laugh at trickle-down economics when what they're doing is trickle up economics. You know what trickle down economics is that Reagan, Reagan, Reagan did this thing when he was a president called trickle down economics and the left hated it. Okay. It was big tax breaks for rich people, big tax breaks for people who owned businesses, big tax breaks for businesses, big business got a lot of tax breaks. And his thought process was if I give the tax breaks to the people at the very top, they will hire more people and give more money like it, it will create opportunity. Okay. So sound. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. The uh, the flip side of that is though trickle up economics, which is essentially what we did during COVID, which is where the government goes and they give large amounts of money and checks and monthly checks to poor people, and, and then that they in. go and then give those to the car dealerships and the to Amazon and to Walmart, and then that money just goes back up to the top, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there is arguments for both because the thing about trickle down economics is if you give ten million dollars in cash breaks to Wal and tax breaks to Walmart, do you think that's going to give ten million dollars in opportunities to people at the bottom? Probably not. Maybe five. Like some of the guys at the top are going to keep some of that money. They just yeah. are. Oh yeah, they are. Okay, let's be real. The CEO is going to get a chunk of that. Mm-hmm. He is. Let's not be stupid. Okay. Same time, though, if you give $10 million in subsidies to the bottom 80, 70%, 60%, how much of that do you think is going to go to the guy at the top? I'm going to say at least $5 million, if not more, probably more. because yeah. And then that will create opportunities to hire more people and, and trickle back down. But all you're doing is trickling up and trickling back down. Yeah, I see that. So government, government. The question is, how comfortable are you with either of those things being done at the point of a gun? That's the question. Because to do the trickle up, you have to steal the money from the rich people, mm-hmm. give it to the poor people. The poor people give it back to the rich people. The rich people trickle it back down to the poor people. And trickle down economics, in my opinion, once again, not an economist, not a financial advisor. I'm some dude that owns an MMA gym in North Mississippi. So take anything I say with a grain of salt, bro. Okay, I'm not here to I'm not I'm not here to pretend that I'm an expert. Yeah. I'm just this is the way I see it. The trickle down economics, you give the big cash breaks to the rich people, tax breaks, but you never actually took anything. 
You just didn't take as much. Okay. That's why moralistically I'm, I'm more okay with that. Nothing was being forcefully taken at the point of a gun. The reason the rich people are rich, nobody forced poor people to give rich people all their money. The rich people provided value to the poor people. Jeff, but nobody, nobody forced. Well, other than COVID, COVID did kind of force us to give Jeff Bezos the money because they it's shut down way, all the local. Yeah, it's the way you could buy stuff. yeah, that was that was really the time that the government kind of forced us to give the really rich our money, but because we couldn't go to the local locally owned, mm-hmm. you know, stores and buy anything, those were shut down. But uh, one thing that really separates those two ideologies, though, is when you take money from the rich, taxation's done at the point of a gun. I don't care what anybody says. Well, nobody comes in with a gun. Okay, yeah, but what happens if you don't pay it? <laughs> Somebody's going to come knocking. What happens if I don't respect the person that comes knocking? They come back and knock with a gun. Yeah. What happens if I still refuse to pay it? I go to jail. Mm-hmm. What happens if I refuse to go to jail? We're going to fight. Yeah. We're going to, and, so, and as that escalation continues, it's going to end up as a shootout yeah. and I'm going to lose. So it's at the point of a gun. It's at the point yeah. of a gun. Yeah. Every law, every single law that is passed is done so at the point of a gun. It's done through, done through the threat of death. Mm-hmm. If you don't adhere to buckling your seatbelt when you drive, that has the potential to escalate to me being shot. Because I don't buckle my seatbelt when I drive. They give me a, a ticket. I don't show up for my court date and I refuse to pay the ticket. They're going to suspend my license more than likely, right? What happens if you don't if you don't pay a, a seatbelt ticket? They suspend your license. Yeah. Okay, they're going to suspend your license. They're going to possibly put a warrant out for your arrest for not showing yeah. up for to court. Okay. They come looking for you. They come looking for me. Or, or I get pulled over and they're like, oh, man, you're not supposed to be driving. You have a suspended license. You got to go to jail. I'm not going to jail. Yep. I don't believe that you have the right to tell me I have to wear a seatbelt. I'm not going to pay that ticket. I'm going to keep driving. No, you can't do that. Driving's a, uh, I love this one. Driving's a privilege, not a right. Okay. Law enforcement love to say that. Well, I disagree with you. I think it's my fundamental right to be able to provide for myself and, and operate within society. I don't believe that, I, be, I don't believe I have to earn that right, that, that privilege. I believe that's my right. doesn't matter. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to take you to jail. You try to fight them. You're either going to get your ass kicked and you're going to go to jail. If you're good at fighting and you're not weak, they're going to kill you. You know how many times officers have told me, if we ever have to take you to jail, we're just going to shoot you. <laughs> I hear that all the time. Because they know that if, if it's a physical altercation, going, most of them yeah. cannot put me in cuffs. Yeah. Okay? I'm going to beat that ass. All right? Damn. So they just it, told you that they're going to shoot you. I, the I mean, they're joking around, but, but still, not really. Yeah, not really. Especially if they've rolled with me or something before. They're like, oh, yeah, I have no chance of ever getting this guy in cuffs. Damn. You know, without tasing him. I'll be honest with you. Because, I mean, the taser has to quit before they can get me in cuffs. I don't know if they're going to do it. With a taser either, but I mean, they're at least going to have to get several people. Mm-hmm. And even then it's not, I don't think it's going to be easy, you know? So every single law is, is forcefully done at the point of a gun. I value individual liberty. So in my opinion, any law, this is my opinion. Okay. I'm not telling you that you have to think this way. Some people are more communal than me. I am in my opinion, a patriot. Okay. The way I see it, I'm a patriot. I stand for what America was founded on and what I believe separates us from the rest of the world. And that is individual liberty supersedes comfort. Individual liberty supersedes uh, opportunity. Individual liberty supersedes everything else. The right, my rights as an individual, your rights as an individual, not only do I believe they supersede comfort in America, 
We have patriots that laid down their life for those rights. That's how much we value them. We value them that other people died so we could have them. There were people that were like, not only do I believe that individual liberty and rights are important, I believe they're more important than my own life. So that they can continue. So that other people can have individual liberties. Okay. I feel that way. That's what America is based on. And so for me, the only laws that I believe are constitutional, the only laws that I believe with my worldview, that I believe freedom supersedes everything else, the most important factor is freedom. The only laws that I believe in are laws in which a person is directly affecting another person negatively. It's not okay to steal somebody else's stuff. It's not okay to kill somebody. It's not okay to go beat somebody up. It's not okay to uh, trespass and vandalize people's property. It's not okay to do these things in direct in, in a direct manner. Okay, it's not okay for me to go out and hurt someone or their property. Do not encroach on another man or his property. That's basic law. Okay, to me, in my opinion, this is my political view. To me. Anything beyond that is an infringement. Every gun law is an infringement on the Second Amendment. You telling me I can't own a tank is an infringement on the Second Amendment. I have a fundamental right to whatever guns you have, the government has. That's my opinion. Do I see how every Tom, Dick, and Harry out on the street having a tank could be a bad thing? Yes, I see that. But as an American, for me, as a patriot, as a person who believes in the fundamental rights and freedoms of the individual superseding the comforts of the whole, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that people having easy access to AR-15s may not necessarily be a good thing all the time. I agree with that. So if I were to be on the, the graph or the uh, the spec, I'd be close to where you're at. You're Yeah, from what you've told me today, yeah, you, would, I, I agree, you would, yeah, you would I be agree a libertarian. Yeah. Most, most Southern Republicans, especially in this area, area, east and north of here, typically think they're Republicans but are actually libertarians because they are an Appalachian Republican, which is not the same thing as an aristocracy, aristocracy Republican. Like, you have Republicans that are hardcore, like, I believe the government should limit alcohol sales. I believe government should uh, ban drug sales. I believe, that government, I, I believe that the government should pass laws that you can't sell alcohol on Sundays. The government should pass laws that you shouldn't be able to open your business on Sunday. Um, then there's other people, like me, I believe that's an individual choice. And if you want to smoke meth on Sunday afternoon after church, that is your right. I may not agree with it on a personal level. See, I agree, I agree too. And if, if you want to hang out in the mountains and create moonshine I'm, that's you dog I, i'm cool with that's that. all yeah. you yeah yeah i'd be close to where so, you're so at. that would be a libertarian ideology and that usually in my in my research tends to come from like the appalachian mindset the apple like people that grew up the, the poor white people of the appalachian mountains typically are very much that way whereas your deep south aristocracy that you know, the 1% slave owners that like they're going to be a little bit more no we need big government to help maintain this society and culture that we believe in like we like when you want the government to enforce southern heritage things like christian values things like um not using substances whatever that means you're more of an aristocracy like southerner not as much of an appalachian true freedom 
mindset Southerner. So mm-hmm. it, 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 there's different types of Republicans out there. Like like I want to go make a compound and with warehouses and and like farm like crops and cattle, and I just want to live off the grid on my own with and yeah. have my own little community of people. I don't want the government telling me sh- nothing. I don't want to hear shit. I want to be left alone. And that's that's the mentality that I have is like, um, I believe that. And this is one of the reasons why I, I, I land on, and this is where you're, you're going to lose people because I don't believe patriot, patri, uh, patriotism should be should be forced. Um, right, yeah. And this is where me and, you may, me and you may disagree. I believe that true freedom means you don't force kids to stand for the pledge. Now I'm gonna force my kids to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, does that I mean, make sense? I, no, yeah, I get that. Yeah, my kids will stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, just like my kids are gonna stand up and be re- be reverent at church during praise and worship. Mm-hmm. My kids are gonna bow their head and take their hat off their head when it's time to pray. My kids are gonna stand at attention with their hand on their heart during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. My kids are. Right. I am not going to expect the government or public schools to force other kids to. Right, yeah, I agree with that. And that's that's the that's the mindset difference. Now, am I going to look at that and be like, piece of shit, kids? So you, you probably feel the same way about the draft as well, right? Like, I'm anti, yeah, I'm anti draft. Okay, yeah, I'm anti draft. Because then I'm the same way. So yeah, I, I think I'd be right on the same, yeah. just about same. I, I'm anti draft. Here's the thing: if a go, if a, if a war truly needs to be fought, you usually don't have to draft people. Right, and you, well, you want the ones that are going to that or wanting to fight for individual liberties right. and freedoms. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, like the Vietnam draft to me was a travesty. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. I don't. I have nothing against draft, draft dodgers for the Vietnam War. In my opinion, I feel for the Vietnam soldiers. Mm-hmm. I believe that they went through horrible things in Vietnam and then came home and were spit on. Yeah. Like they sacrificed their lives, their friends' lives, their sanity to come home and I think that the problem was that was a war we shouldn't have been in. And the people at home knew that or felt that way. People didn't want to fight, so they had to institute the draft. Um, and, you know, and, and I, see, I, see, I see why we were in that war. Like I, from, a, from a tactical standpoint, I, I get it. Um, but typically when there's a war that really needs to be fought, I don't think that you like right. when when our freedoms are actually under fire, you're not going to have to draft me. Right. Yeah. If someone's attacking the United States of America, you don't have to draft me. After 9-11, people were ready to sign up. Yeah. You know what I mean? After Pearl Harbor, people, the greatest generation was ready to fight. That's what made them the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. They were ready to fight that evil. Yeah. You know, Pearl Harbor happened and, you know, the greatest generation was ready to step up. Vietnam, people were like, yeah, we're not doing that, dog. You know, you had people like Ali who were like, I don't know the Viet Cong. You're my enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, and that's how I feel right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I feel right now. Like, to me, my enemy is in Washington. It seems that way. My enemy is in the White House right now. My enemy is in Washington right now. That's who's trying to take my freedoms away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. The Taliban, they uh, attacking on 9-11, that, that, was, that was one thing. A lot of these other squabbles we've been into – they don't have anything to do with me. Uh, I'm not motivated to fight in those wars. And I know that, you know, you you served, and I have a, the utmost respect for that. Um, and I think, you know, that's a great thing, but I've 
be honest with you. I see Joe Biden as way more my enemy than anybody in uh, the Middle East is. Oh, yeah. I, I view Joe Biden, I'll be honest, I, well, right for now, me he's personally. He's the only one that is actively trying to take my take, rights away. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the Democratic Party and at times the Republican Party, too. I'm not as big of a Donald Trump fan as everybody else is, but um, as much as I respect him in, in certain ways, and I respect Joe Biden for certain things, too. Um, I mean, you can't. You don't get to be the president of the United States without doing some, mm-hmm. like, without sacrifice. It's like a billionaire. You don't become a billionaire without sacrifice. You don't become president of the United States without sacrifice. Um, That's like me. I, I, I wasn't a huge Trump fan. I, I never really was a Biden supporter, but I, I was pleased at what he did the other day as far as uh, uh, pardoning the, the marijuana. Um, I can agree with that, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know much about that. Well, it, uh, I'm definitely not about I'm. I mean, I definitely lean more right. So typically when I'm watching, I like Biden pisses me off a lot more than Trump ever did. Trump did oh, some yeah. things I didn't agree with, yeah. for sure. For sure. A lot of things. Um, Biden seems a little bit more like a puppet to me than Trump oh, yeah, did. I think so too. Yeah, Biden just really, I mean, he, you can see you can see the, somebody's hand up his ass just when he walks, <laughs> man. It's, it's scary, you know. But, you know, I just... I view the I view that the people in Washington right now, the people in Senate, the people in Congress, the the president. I, but here's here's one thing that I'll say. Here's one thing that I will say in favor of the United States of America. I am proud to say that I live in a country that I can say that on a podcast without yeah. fear of getting killed tonight. I'm on a podcast right now, and because of the sacrifice, and because of the 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 beliefs that a lot of these soldiers had throughout history. Um, sacrificing their life for that right, I can sit in front of you right here in my business that I own in my small town in Mississippi in front of thousands of people and say that I believe that my enemy was, is an elected or elected officials and people behind the curtain in our own country. Um, so I'm not saying it's all bad. It's well, definitely I mean, that, not all why, bad. That's why I feel the same way that they are the enemy because they're trying to when when censorship and, and all that gets to right, and that's the problem with cancel yeah. culture. Right. Yeah. The problem with cancel culture, even though a lot of that's not necessarily, but when the not all, not all of that is the government. You know, some of that's big media, some of that's in people, just people's response. But that's the problem with it. But I think they're influenced. I think so too. So, yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think that I think that we're purposefully moving our young men and and women, especially young men, in a direction to be controllable yeah men being very that's the that is the real play in my opinion the play to feminize men is to make them controllable to make them submissive so people who are submissive are controllable that's that's why it's more important to feminize men than it is to take the guns away it's because it's easy to take guns away from feminized men they'll be ready to give them up they'll give them up uh, easily and freely makes sense isn't that what um because kings used to do that too Isn't that what a eunuch is yeah, they chop the they chop the they okay, chop yeah. the, the the nuts off, and then eunuchs were, were very revered. Some people would do it on on themselves, like oh, to get to gain power, because okay. oftentimes eunuchs were in charge of the harem, you, because you, the king didn't have to worry about him screwing his bitches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was it was really common. Eunuchs would would um, I don't know they did I, th- I thought they were it was done to them so it may be I'm not don't take me well, don't take don't say me saying that it was on purpose but usually eunuchs were positions of power they weren't put in positions of power because they weren't tainted by the carnal the most carnal and common desire that men have 
which is to have sex. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in charge of the harem as a man, they didn't really want to put women in charge at that time. So as a man, like if I'm going to have a guy watching the girls that I'm hooking up with, I want it to be a guy that's not going to hook up with the girls that I'm hooking up with. You know, I want it to be okay. a eunuch. So that was really common um, from the research that I've done, yeah. uh, which is limited. So don't take, don't take anything I'm saying here as, as gospel. No, but I mean, well, that, well, that would make sense though. It's like you to the original point to feminize yeah. them. Feminizing so men makes me, con- yeah. makes me controllable. If you can, if you can get a generation of men to twerk on TikTok, glue on nails, you know, not, not be dominant, not speak out, not be willing to fight for theirs, not be protective of their loved ones. That's the reason why it's so important to get men out of the home. That's why, that's why empowering women to be more masculine is so important in my opinion. Because if men, if like women are some are like beta masculine males, controllable males, there's no need for the man to be in the home. They're, they don't have that protector in the home anymore. If you can get the protector out of the home, then you, you gotta, can control the women. Yeah, you got to rely on them. And then if you can yeah. feminize the men, you can control everybody. Yeah. If you can feminize the men, then you can control them. You don't even have to separate the home anymore. You know, which is what they did, in my opinion. You can say it was on purpose or not. That's what they did to the black community. Um, The black community, they they passed laws to enact welfare. But in order to collect the welfare of this super impoverished community, the man couldn't live in the home. Now, you can say, you can say, well, if there's a man there, he should have been providing yada, yada, yada. I, I see the I see the 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 argument that maybe it wasn't done on purpose, but you can't deny the negative impact that it had on that community. Mm -hmm. You can't deny the negative impact that removing the man from the home had. And maybe that's the reason why the people behind the the curtain now, well, let's feminize the men instead. Instead of separating the men, let's feminize them. Put the women in the workplace, emasculate the man. He's no longer the provider. He's the government's the protector. The government's the provider. He's emasculated. Mm -hmm. Both have to work in order to do it. They share everything equally. There's no more gender roles. The that's going to create a generation of people that are super easy to control. They're going to be super easy to be told what to do. So it's still the same tactic. I could be wrong. The same tactic, just a different approach. Yeah, different approach to the same tactic. Uh, emasculate emasculate the society emasculate the society that's going to give you a generation of people who um so the, the, it's the other reason why i think that people uh, hate rich people we talked about that yesterday like limiting belief with rich people um as long as the poor hate the rich the poor will never be rich because you'll never learn from them yeah you'll never emulate them you'll never act like them because you hate them they're the enemy yeah. they're selfish oh they're terrible i get that yeah. that i believe that hating the rich is a ploy by the rich, rich to keep the rich rich and the poor poor I think the top 1% wants you to hate them. I think it's it's important for them to maintain power because if we all, if everybody in the United States, think about it, if everybody in the United States really understood how to manage money, how to gain wealth, how to build an empire, uh, how to leverage their time, how to uh, build equity, how many more millionaires would we, billionaires would we have in 100 years? How would that change the landscape? Oh, it would, yeah. it would change it completely. If everybody knew how to do that, I mean, it may not even work. Probably wouldn't work anymore. You know what I mean? Because everybody's doing it. Yeah, because like then they'd probably see it as a threat towards their right. uh, wealth and what. You know, maybe not that, though. Yeah. I think I think that it definitely holds a lot of people back. I don't, I, and that's the question. There's a lot of systems in place that keep poor people poor and rich people rich. That emasculates men. That the question is: is it is it a ploy by the people behind the curtain to get to a certain goal, or is it just happening because we live in such abundance now? 
Because every time that humanity has moved toward abundance, the men have been emasculated and been feminized. Mm-hmm. Look at ancient Rome. Look at ancient Greece. Look at um, look at the um, the wealthy people of the 16, 17, 15, uh, hundreds, the eighteen hundreds. You know, the men wore powdered wigs and big fluffy oh, yeah. shirts, and and were very like kind of like feminine, and because they lived in abundance, they didn't have to be masculine. They didn't have to have hard hands and be tough and be able to fight. Like they were the nobles. The nobles yeah. acted like women. You know, they were very they were very feminized. You know, you look at ancient Greece; they were shaved and oily. If you watch the three hundred, um, you know, which the, the Spartans <laughs> were very masculine. But at the same yeah. time, they, as as the Greeks became more and more abundant, same thing with the Romans. As Romans became more and more abundant, the men became very effeminate. That is, yeah. And if you look never, in society too, look at how much more effeminate rich people versus poor people are in society. Look at okay, let's be honest. Let's look at wealthy white kids versus poor black kids in sports. I'm not saying that athletics don't have, don't play a role there, but um, I might get canceled for this one, but look at the societies, dude. I, when Sawyer played football, okay. There were so many little whiny, bitchy white kids out there. Mm-hmm. Little, they didn't listen. They were shitty, just little, you know, and their moms were babying them because they live in abundance. Like, they, they can kind of get away with that. But then you look at, like, the black kids were listening and doing what the coach said, and they were athletic, and you know what I mean? Like, there's something to be said for poverty forcing you to be masculine, you know? And, I mean, not to, not to, not to, not to say something's going to get me canceled, but the facts are facts, okay? And when you look at really rich Look at like the look at some of the, you know the the stereotypes around Jewish people where Jewish people are very well off. But look, you look at little Jewish boys; they're typically viewed as very unathletic. Um, they're viewed as very uh, you know kind of mama's boys because in 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 environments of abundance, femininity becomes the standard. Yeah. So the more and that's the reason why hard tim hard men create good times. Good times create soft men. Soft men create hard times. And we we have continually for the past several thousand years, humanity or a couple thousand years It's always been cycled, has yeah. been in a, this endless cycled loop. I don't know that I don't know that we were before uh I don't know when it started. Because I think that there was a moment that it started. I think really like the Grecian times, you really saw it heavily. You really saw it uh, in the Roman Empire, you saw, but I don't know when that that abundance became high enough to create the toppling of the society. But it definitely happened, and we're living it right now. This is the most feminized men have ever been. This is the most abundant our society has ever been. This is the best time to be alive. This is, without a doubt, I don't care what anybody says, this is the most comfortable, easy time to be alive. Poor people are fat, mm-hmm. Okay. Think about that. Poor people are fat. So you think, I mean, you think it's getting ready to topple? Yeah. I don't, and I don't know. And and the purpose of my podcast, the purpose of like kind of my mission in life is to kind of hold, keep that from happening. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm here risking getting canceled by saying these things because I, my hope is, and that's the reason, and that's the reason you're seeing this like surge of, masculinity, toxic masculinity. I did this for, I meant to do this for the toxic part, not the masculine part. People like Andrew Tate and Donald Trump, you see people that are really attracted to people that just say whatever the heck they want. 
people love that right now. People like you're seeing this like masculine culture make a comeback. I think it's people like me, not, not that I agree with everything Donald Trump or Andrew Tate say. Okay, don't get it twisted. But it's a it's it's a pushback. It's an attempt to 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 fight back against what's happening. Mm-hmm. And um I think inevitably we may fail. And if we do, it will be the end of our civilization as we know it. That's my call. Once again, I'm not an economist. I'm not a professor. I don't have a college degree. Mm-hmm. I've just studied on my own. I'm, I've looked at history. And that's and according to people that I respect that are smarter than me. There are people who are smarter than me that would disagree with me. More power to them. I'm not saying that you got to listen to me. All I'm saying is this is what I believe. This is what I think. And this is where I think that we're headed. So I can see that. That's like a couple of weeks back when we were talking and, and I asked you that. And you like, what do you think it's going to take to change? And you was like a total collapse. Total man. collapse. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah. I think his history indicates that we're kind of fighting a losing battle. Yeah. I think history indicates that we're, you know, but I'm going to fight it. You oh, yeah. know what I mean? Because it, here's the thing. I don't need to redirect everybody. I just need to redirect. I just need to help a few. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it. If I can keep my sons from falling into the trap and my grandsons from falling into the trap and my family and friends and people around me and people that listen to me and want to not fall into it, because that's what we're doing. That's what that's what social media influence does. People that don't agree with me when I post this content online, this is not going to persuade them. People right. listening to this podcast that that have a gynocentric worldview, that have a feminine worldview, me saying this is not going to change their mind. Me saying this is simply going to attract the people that have the same, that have the yeah. same worldview. And I'm telling them, hey, it's okay. There's more of us out there than you think. Mm-hmm. There's more of us out there that believe men should be men, women should be women. It's okay to be tough. You should be capable of violence. You shouldn't give your guns up. You shouldn't go with the crowd and 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 be controllable because everybody tells you you should. You shouldn't cancel people and and because they said something you don't you ag- agree, with. Yeah, agree with. You that. shouldn't be a little poon that, you know, gets their feelings hurt because you didn't get a participation trophy. You should compete for things in life. You should Fight for what's yours. You should protect your woman. You should be strong. You should um, stand up for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. You should look at adversity in the face and you know tell it to go screw itself. You should do those things. And if you vibe with that message, you're going to like my content and we're going to get along. Yep. And if you don't vibe with that message, cool. I'm not here to persuade you. I'm not here to change your mind, okay? I'm not, because I never would be able to, because I'm here on the spectrum where I believe individual liberty supersedes comfort. I believe that um, you keep what you kill. I believe that uh, controlling and feminizing men is going to create a society of controlled sheep that will be submissive to the will of our tyrants that are inevitably going to rise because tyrants are a reality of humanity. They are, will always be there. They are probably in our government now. We just, they, they don't feel free to, mm-hmm. you know, show themselves. But ty- tyranny is part of humanity. And the more we can, tr- can create a population of people that are easily controlled, that are submissive, that are scared to stand up and speak out, that are scared to speak against tyranny, that are scared to fight for their right to bear arms that are scared for their to fight for their right to earn and keep their own money that are scared to go build wealth 
and and be rich and be wealthy and and have abundance the more we do that eventually a tyrant will rise mm-hmm. it has happened in every single civilization that has predated us and if you think that democracy and having a republic is going to keep that from happening you didn't study rome yep it happens yep it will happen again and it will happen here the only thing in my opinion that stands between a tyrannical ruler no matter if you think it's donald trump or joe biden or neither, or you agree with one of the, it doesn't matter. A tyrannical ruler will come out of one of the parties. And if we have a generation of soft, weak, limp-wristed men that are easy to control and the number of strong, ready-to-fight, hard men that that have the capability to do something about it is small enough, there is nothing we can do. Because they don't have to get rid of all of them. They just have to get rid of enough of them that there's not enough of us left that become relevant for us to be relevant. Exactly. And so um, that's our worldview. And if you don't agree with that worldview, hey, man, that's cool. I'm not talking to you. Yeah. This, this show isn't for you. This show's not for you. If you are of the opinion that what I'm saying is false, that's fine. I'm not talking to you. Like, this is going to be the last thing we talk about because we're an hour and 20 minutes in. This is going to be the last thing I talk about, Okay. We might be able to, we, not, we might need to break this up in a couple different episodes, um, or edit some of this out before we post it. But um, people who leave comments on YouTube and TikTok videos telling people they're wrong, do you really think that the moment the thing that's going to make me realize I'm wrong is a comment on TikTok? <laughs> you think user one seven four six three eight two eight one four three is going to change my political opinion I've had my entire life? I ask myself that so that I ask myself that question constantly before I leave comments. I'll I'll see a video or something that I disagree with and I'll go to leave a comment and I'm like, am I really honestly going to change anybody's opinion here? No. Well, of course not. But I'm, I like the fact that you can and that they can too and I'll keep commenting. Oh, for I'm sure, for, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, look, here's I'm, the I'm thing. I'm not here to censor nobody. So here's keep the thing. Coming. I I have to like limit the amount that I read them negative comments, but I love them. Here's what you guys don't understand, okay? Why do you think Andrew Tate is probably the most famous man in America right now? Negative comments. Because he knew if he said outlandish, crazy stuff like a woman's place is in the kitchen and he won't let a woman drive his car um, or whatever, and, and, that, and he's allowed to, like, you know, in his relationship, he's allowed to screw whoever he wants. A woman has to be 100% submissive to him, and then he's allowed to go have sex and do whatever he wants. That's his rules for relationships. And I, hey, dude, if you can get away with that, and that's your rules, and she's okay with it, I don't have a problem with that. Might be misogynistic to some, but if it's consensual on both sides, hey, whatever, dog. Um, I'm not hating, but the reason he's so famous is not the people who support him. Who made him famous are the people who disagree with him because then they get in the comments. The social media algorithm is engagement. The more people engage with a particular post, the bigger that post gets. They're just helping him out. Every time you leave a comment, and that's the other thing I think about. When I see a comment that's like a super left-wing or super statist viewpoint, um, I, won't, I won't comment. I've stopped commenting. 
And the reason I stopped commenting is because when you leave those comments, you are empowering them. You are making them big. Okay. And I hope we make this into a short because I would love to see all the people who argue with me on this topic. Because here's the thing. People who really who like your who aren't fanatic but agree with you, they're just gonna like your your post. So I'll look at posts and I'll have uh, like I have posts that out of my comments, there'll be 200 comments. At least half of them are negative. Okay. But I'll have 15,000 likes mm-hmm. or 2,000 likes. So that means only one out of 20 disagreed and took action. Okay. Most people may, that, that interacted with it agreed. Yeah. But the 2,000 likes is not what made the post blow up, it was the 200 comments. Those aren't even fed into the algorithm? It, the it's likes? fed in, but not as heavily. Comments feed heavier. Okay. Nine times out of ten on most platforms, comments are what makes posts blow up because people get to arguing. Some negative comments are helping him out. Okay. That's why Donald Trump does what he does. Because when Donald Trump gets out on the, on the news and goes, we got to stop the illegal immigrants from coming in this country, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, you know, I walked in the room as a big room, man. Well, I said, what a big room. This is amazing. Uh, true American patriot. He says, whatever. The left goes and takes that, or the news goes and takes that, turns it into a soundbite that people hate. People interact with it. it He's getting up. free marketing. He doesn't have to run pan ca- campaign ads. He's genius. He doesn't have to. Yeah. He spent like a tenth of what Hillary Clinton spent in marketing for his campaign. But yet, who was everybody talking about? Him. If you do things that make people talk about you, here's the thing, because he knows the people who disagree with him, there's nothing he can say to make them agree with him. Nobody on the right ever agreed with Obama, no matter how formal he was, no matter how good of a point he made, because there's good points to be made on both sides. Mm -hmm. That's why I disagree with a lot of people on the right, a lot of very good friends of mine that I disagree with. I don't think the left are a bunch of dummies, okay? Like, they make good points. Yeah. I just disagree with them. Okay, it's subjective, all right? But Donald Trump, Andrew Tate, they don't make themselves big. And this is, what, and this is, this is, the, this is the, the test to see if you're going to get big or not. And this is what I have to deal with. We talked about this on the podcast yesterday. It's not how many people that you can get to agree with you. It's how well you can deal with the people who disagree with you that decides if you um, blow up or not. If you become influential, how well can you deal with people hating you? Because there's no one that holds any influence in our country today that there is, they don't have massive haters. Mm -hmm. They don't exist. They are the necessary part of the algorithm. You make money off your supporters, but you gain influence from your haters. And that's what it seems like. Once again, I'm not super famous. So maybe you shouldn't take my word from it. But one of the reasons I'm not more famous than I am is because Hey, negative comments affect me negatively. I'm not a psychopath. Okay? And another thing with that system is, you know who really doesn't care what people think about them? Psychopaths. You know, people, you know, people with people that, you know, yeah. don't care. They're just leveraging people. So, you know, um, we're going to wrap it up right there. I feel like it was a good episode today. I do too. I had a lot of fun today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Man Up Podcast. You know, um, always great to have my friend, Wesley, the Armadillo Wrangler. Uh, I almost called you Copeland Dunham. 
on the podcast today. Thank you guys so much. Make sure to like and subscribe. Go check out the YouTube channel, the Mississippi Superman Show. Go watch our videos uh, of the Mississippi Superman Show. Watch our shorts, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.